Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. Well, today is Wednesday, uh, January 27th, and uh, we're believing we're just believing. And there's, there's some times when you're believing that you're supposed to do something. And there's other times when you're believing you're supposed to keep believing. So sometimes the work is to keep your faith alive. And there's other times there's steps of obedience you were supposed to do to uh, cooperate with God to enact that which he's trying to accomplish. So years ago, one time we were we were praying and asking God for a particular house. And, uh, you know, we were just praying and seeking the Lord. And But I was fearful of taking steps that would have started the ball rolling. I was fearful of that. And so I kept leaning back on the faith instead of the action, when in fact that was not faith at all, as you understand, right? And I still remember the day when I woke up and you know the sensation, if you've ever been fishing and had a fish on the line, and then the sensation when the line goes loose, like it's not taut anymore, you could tell. And I woke up with that feeling. Oh, the deal's off. There's, it's not going to happen. And I knew I lost it. And uh, still drive by that house every once in a while. <clears throat> but... We got a smaller family now. We don't need a five thousand square foot house anymore, <laughs> no, except for maybe for the grandkids, <laughs> um, which we're delighted. Um, Father God, we love you with all our heart. We thank you, Lord, that you are um, doing your best to steer us and guide us, lead us, provide, take care of us, and uh, give us wisdom about walking through this life in all of the ways that uh, you want to bring us victory. And Lord, we admit we're not necessarily so good at it, as f at following your lead and, and uh, obeying you every time, and we need your mercy. But uh, Lord, I would pray just like Nancy prayed that one time when she said, Lord, I want you to speak louder to me, please. And Lord, I didn't even know you could. we could ask that, but Lord, you started speaking louder to her. And so, uh, Lord, we ask you to make your voice more clear to us so that the steps of obedience that you desire for us to take, that we would actually take them so that we could arrive at the destiny that you delight in. So, Lord, tonight I ask you to fill our hearts and minds that we would have great understanding of who you are, great understanding of your word, and a great understanding of what your desire is for marriage and family. And uh, Lord, I ask you to anoint my lips to speak. And any distractions, I bind them, I command them to stay away in Jesus' name. Amen? All righty. Now, um, so here, this is week number four. We've been going at this uh, for a little while, talking about marriage. And we want, um, God wants marriages to be whole, to be sound, 
to be fortified, to be strengthened, to be encouraging. You know, that, they're, that um, people are actually glad they're married. You know, <laughs> instead of like, this is just another cross that I bear. You know, <laughs> you know, um, if it's supposed to be heaven on earth, you know, if God said it's not good for a man to be alone, then it should be better for us to be married. Okay, in a sense. Now, it, the scripture, of course, does say that if you have the gift to be single, you should be single. All right, we can get into that sometime. But today I want to talk about the power of the union of marriage. Now, I do want to uh, warn you, uh, you probably won't have this problem tonight or with most people in this crowd. However, <clears throat> my dad taught on the power of the, of the union of marriage probably 60 years ago at a thing called Christian Family Movement, uh, which was a Catholic um, uh, group, you know, just trying to teach people about how to have better families. And obviously, my father believed in big families. I'm glad he did, because I'm number 10. So <laughs> he has to, we have to at least get to number 10, right? <laughs> my belief has to take me that far. Um, but he, he, uh, he taught, these, taught these, I think it was five or six couples there in the church about why they should have children, about the power of sending children into the future about this type of thing. <clears throat> well, his, his, uh, his teaching must have been effective because nine months later there was six new kids in the church. <laughs> and uh, so apparently they went home and did their homework. And, um, but there's, there's power. There's something, God, God has reasons. When he tells you to do something, uh, there's reasons. If you're always asking why, 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 you just like you, you want to bless your kid with something. You're hiding something behind your back, and you tell them to go close their eyes and say why. Because I'm trying to bless you. Would you just obey me? <laughs> you know, you, you you pull out the gift and give it to them, and then you know, then there they are. And and if you're constantly asking why, then um, why is a question for the Lord. If you know the Father's business, you know the why. If you're, his, if you're his disciple, you know the how. You know how to do what Jesus did. But Jesus said at the end of his three years, he said, uh, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his Father's business. And I will tell you that the, knowing your Father's business, the core of it is the why. If you know the why, you know the heart. You know the motivation. You know the real business that's going on. Um, the real motivation for me in JBM is, uh, again, it, again, it's my father's smile. It's the smile of the Heavenly Father. But it's also to see, um, and we, we call it Joseph Barlow Ministries because <laughs> the goal is to take, what, take what's inside of Joseph Barlow and get it out to the world. And um, so I, maybe everybody should have a Eric, Dog, Eric Ogden Ministries, <laughs> you know, Kimberly, all, all, all across the board. Um, Kimberly Barlow Ministries, you know, KBO, have it be its own 
just to take what's in you and get it out. And so I've not tapped this well very much of family. Uh, even a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, uh, said to me, he goes, man, I've been here at this church for years, and he said, you never teach on family, and it's called family life. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just trying to do what's coming, what he gives me to teach, but it's time. When the Lord said at the end of November and December, he said, it's time. He said, teach for a year on family. I used to have a radio show called Good News for Your Family uh, several years ago. And um, uh, I remember sitting down with Shalice Jimenez, one of our trustees. She's a board member for JVM as well. And she, I was, she was just sitting down in our family room with me, and I was just playing one of my radio shows for her. And she's like, you have no idea what you're carrying. I'm like, okay, maybe that's true, because I don't know what you're referring to. She said, nobody has this. What you're talking about, people don't walk in this. This is not normal life in America. This is not normal life in Christian families. They don't understand how to do these things. When Shalice first came into our house and... Um, we sat around the living room and we got out the guitars and we were singing and playing guitars. And she said, I, I never knew that any, anybody on this planet ever did such a thing. Enjoying time together as a family? She had never seen that. Um, so there's things that need to come out. Need, they, they have to come out. And, and, uh, but there's things that have to come out of you. In the, in the home... It should be a slice of heaven. Your home should be like heaven. Really. Um, again, referring to Shalice, I was, we were talking to her, um, uh, talking about the name Family Life Christian Center. And she said, uh, that name, she said, family life is the, the essence of heaven. That's what heaven is like is really, really good quality family time. She said, that's what heaven is like. You're, you're related. You love each other. You got your father. You love him. Everybody's happy. You know, it's beautiful. So our, our homes um, need to be like heaven. You know, the best person to tell if there is a um, a fake uh, bill, fake dollar bill, is somebody who works at the Mint because they deal with the real all day long, right? <clears throat> if your children are raised in heaven, then for them to go out into the world and try to discern the will of God, they're already going to know the will of God because they were effectively raised in heaven. Can you imagine? Now, the scripture does say that we are ambassadors, right? We're ambassadors from heaven. But we were all born here. We were all born on foreign territory. Can you imagine if you were born and raised in heaven and then you came here? How, how well would you know the Father's will? I like what one person said. Um, somebody was telling about what's something that was going on in their life you know, that a difficulty or got cheated or something like that. And this person said, that's not covenant. 
listen to that phrase. That's not covenant. What does that mean? That's the exact same as David saying, what's this uncircumcised Philistine saying? Because you know what uncircumcised means, not covenant. Now, the marriage relationship, that's covenant. And then you bind it together with God, that's awesome. That's the cord of three strands that's not easily broken. God wants our children and each other. Honestly, did you know you're raising your spouse? Did you know that? Just so you know. <laughs> I mean, some of the wives knew that, but <laughs> it might be news to the husbands. <laughs> but honestly, you're both growing up in an environment that you establish. You better be making it heaven. You don't want your children raised in hell. And you don't want your spouse raised in hell because they won't be able to tell the difference between God's will and the will of the devil. Now, you know that you set the tone by your speech and your actions in the home. You set the tone of the home. Yeah, and once we've talked about this before, but you know, if mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? It's just the truth, you know? Uh, if anybody sets the tone in the home, it's the wife. More, more so than anybody. And um, so <clears throat> we have to understand what it is we're creating. You are creating an environment for your children to grow. And if they are raised in heaven, the will of God is going to be very clear to them. If it's fun to be at your house, the kids are going to want to come back have parties at your house, right? They're going to want to be around you. If, if you make it hell, the kids will never want to be around you. I hate to tell you this now, but, you know, we all need to learn. <coughs> if you make it hell, they won't want to come back. If you make it heaven, they'll want to hang out all the time. That's it. And we have the power to make it hell or heaven. Now, your internal focus is going to determine all of it. It says in uh, Psalms chapter 34, those who look to him, people who look to God, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Never. Well, if you're looking at God, like, now here, I'm staring up in these lights here. If I'm, if I'm looking up in the light, my face is covered with light. But if I look into the darkness, my face is covered with darkness. You can always tell what a person's looking at by looking at their face. You can tell whether they're looking at darkness or you can tell whether they're looking at the light. Um, hopefully there's a developed sensitivity between the husband and the wife that if the spouse comes in and, and they're out of sorts, you're able, to, you're able to pick it up right away. 
Hopefully you're developing these sensitivities. If not, get with it. <laughs> Amen? Get with it. Start, start being awake to um, how is your spouse doing. So if you, if you see the counterfeit, in a sense, there's sadness on their face. There's upset. There's not the radiance that comes from looking at God. That's like a, a counterfeit dollar bill. Wait a second. That's my husband. What would you do with him? You know, where's his smile? Husband, where is your focus? What are you looking at? Honey, what are you looking at? Why are you looking at that? What is it that is taking your attention away from the joy of God? What is it? Are you worried about something? Um, my dad <coughs> one day called my mom on the phone from work and he had just found out some things at work that there's some guys coming after him. He, he got into one of those jobs that was like um, a brain drain where they, they hire you in, they drain your brain, and then they fire you. Okay? You know, they, take all your, they take all your knowledge, and then they just dump you. So we moved our whole family across the country, and then... So my dad calls my mom one day after, he, after this realization dawns on him and he finds out what's going on. And he said, just talk to me. Just, he couldn't talk. He said, just talk to me. And so she started, she's just started singing to him. You know, why? Why did he need that? He needed the atmosphere of home. He needed the comfort that he knew only his wife could bring him. And um, she, she just gave it. She didn't dig. She didn't say, what's going on? She just started singing to him. Can you imagine? Is your heart at peace enough to be able to do that? Are you, are you able? Or are you too tied up in, in needing control? You need, to, you need to lighten up a little bit. Be heaven. We need, if our focus is on all the tragedy and the difficulty of the world, then when our spouse looks at our face, they're going to just be looking at the news. It's not going to be any better than the news. But if you've been receiving answers from heaven all day long and you're excited about it, and you're like, can't wait to tell your spouse, man, this happened today. I'm so excited. Um, I like bringing answers from heaven. I like bringing answers from heaven. I want to bring answers from heaven. Uh, when I have a difficult day, um, I need comfort. I, I need, uh, I, I don't need the inquisition. I need, hey, can I? Can I make you a sandwich? Can I? Dinner's going to be ready in two minutes. Uh, can you read the scriptures to the kids? You know, something, something simple. You know, and um, something to reground, reground me. But you want to have your feet planted firmly in heaven. In the context I'm talking about, of course, we want to have a good handle on reality, <laughs> right? But you better have a real good handle on heaven. 
because heaven is very joyful. You know, I went to uh, Bethel Church. You've heard of Bill Johnson, all them. <coughs> went up to Bethel. And these people were, I mean, I love Bethel. I still, you know, read their stuff and listen. But when I went there, I was like, okay, these people are a little far off the deep end. You know, they're like crazy happy, you know, and everybody's, you know. And, and I was exposed to all that stuff before, you know. But I was um, just seeing, okay, it was pushing my flesh a little bit more than my flesh wanted to be pushed. And people like uh, having all these reactions as if, you know, uh, just really were touched by the Lord. You know, I, I'm okay. I don't, I'm not making fun of any of that because, you know, it just means they're more awake in the spirit than I am. But I just wasn't that interested in joining the party. You understand? I wanted to keep my senses about me. And the Lord spoke something to me. He said this. He said, halal is reality. Now, halal, I'm not talking about the, the Muslim food type, you know, yeah, you know, how they keep their food kosher or halal or whatever. I'm not talking about that. In Hebrew, the word halal is one of the seven words that is translated into English as praise. There's seven different Hebrew words that are translated into English as praise, okay? And one of, so one of them is yada, which means to lift up your hands. One of them is tehillah, which is to sing or to laud. One of them is shabak, which um, if you know R.W. Shambach and he was a shouter, that seems like that was a perfect name for him because shabak means to shout. And um, barak means to kneel down and to bless the Lord or to lay prostrate before him. Um, and then there is um, a cup of zamar means to touch the strings, okay, in praise to God. Um, but then there's halal, which literally means, and it's the root word for hallelujah, but it literally means to be clamorously foolish. And that's okay when you're in on it. I mean, when you, when you get the joke and everybody's laughing, it's okay when you're in on it. But if you're not in on it and you don't get the joke, it's like, <clears throat> okay, I'm glad y'all are enjoying it, but I don't get it. And that's exactly how I felt when I went to, when I went to Reading. Even though in my past, when, when we used to lead, when I used to lead worship over at Praise Fellowship, Man, we'd have about eight or 900 people all dancing, all shouting at the top of their lungs and, and just rejoicing and marching around the church. And I mean, that was normal. You know, just that was normal. Um, so that was halal. That was like, y'all a bunch of idiots, right? Yeah, yes, that's us. But the Lord said to me, he said, halal is reality. In other words, and like one prophet said, the Lord spoke to him and said, son, if, if it hadn't been for sin, I probably never would have had a serious thought. The father says that to, to him. Son, if it hadn't been for sin, I probably never would have had a serious thought. I had this, one of those prayer sessions, like, um, uh, what is it that you do, Emmanuel? You do, I did one, uh, 
uh, it's like a Sozo, or and there's all different brands of this thing, right? So I had this prayer session where you know you're like, okay, what about you know? Are you are you not, are you believing something that's a lie about God? All I hear is no, you're not. Okay, good, I'm not. She said, let's press it a little bit. And so this lady that was leading me, she was like, just let's just listen. Let's ask him this, ask him this. And all of a sudden, at one point, this veil that seemed to be on God, which was making him, in my eyes, to be very firm and strong and not happy at all, all of a sudden this veil drops, and there's this young guy with jet black hair, and he's super excited and happy. I'm like, and this is the father. And this guy's like jumping up and down, and he's excited, and I'm like, this is kind of like mind-blowing. And, but you could feel nothing but love coming from him. Kind of mind-blowing. I mean, who said God had to be old? I mean, yes, he called the ancient of days, but that doesn't mean he's got this big, long, white beard. He's not aged, right? And so I was stunned by this. And he was acting clamorously foolish. He was acting exceedingly joyful. As a matter of fact, the scripture says in Hebrews that Jesus had more joy than all of his brethren. In other words, he was happier than everybody. That's what it says about Jesus Christ himself. He was happier than anybody. There was this uh, guy that did a, a movie about the book of Matthew, and they did a word-for-word thing on the book of Matthew. And uh, the whole presentation, the way they produced this and directed it, was all that Jesus was happy all the time. It was beautiful. And it was a word-for-word thing of the book of Matthew. But it was, it was awesome, really awesome. So <clears throat> this reality of joy is the reality of heaven. You see why I'm going after this? Because if your home is sad and somber, you might want to repaint the walls. You might want to start making it more joyful. You might make it a little bit more like heaven a happy place, um, you know, where the kids enjoy being. Okay, let me, let me flip it from, instead of, and not just, the, not just the environment, of course you want to make the environment like heaven. You want to make, make it emotionally like heaven because your kids need that. They need to know what it's like in heaven. I don't know if I don't think you knew that you had this responsibility before tonight. <laughs> okay, that's all right. Um, Nancy and I agreed very early on in our marriage that one of our prayers was that we never wanted our list of miraculous testimonies to ever stop growing. Why? because we knew our kids needed it. It's okay to hear mom and dad talk about it, but they better see it with their eyes and they better know in their hearts that the miracle power of God is real. They better know it. And I wanna 
tell you that for the most part, that has been true. Our kids have seen miracles happen in our lives over and over. So one day I was at the grocery store and I just didn't have quite enough money for the groceries. And, um, and we, were, we were at Aldi. And, uh, and so um, I just told the, the lady, oh, just take those two things off. You know, just, just leave those two things back. And um, the lady behind me says, I'll pay for it. I said, I, I'm, I said I'm, I'm really good. You know, it's okay for me to put it. She goes, no, I want you to have it. And she insisted, and she paid. She didn't just pay for that. She paid for all the groceries. Okay. And then as we walk out, and then we're sitting in the car, my daughter Sarah says, Dad, how often does that happen for other people? I said, mostly never, at least back then. Now you got a lot of videos of people doing it because it's become a thing, you know. But back then, I'm not sure it was happening much. And she said, Dad, that's the third time that's happened to us. And she saw it with her own eyes. And she knew I wasn't fishing. You know what I mean by that. I wasn't, I wasn't trying, you know, to sidle up next to somebody and, and get something. I was just trying to quietly say, hey, well, let's put that back. And uh, she's like, Dad, it's the third time. Well, you, you, the kids learn how to use their faith and believe God for things. Um, you know, thank God we were at, uh, down under Bill Winston during the, the kids' teen, the older kids' teen years. So Sarah, Sarah and Andrew both kind of, uh, Pastor Winston really liked them, you know, <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> he, uh, he just was blessed because they were both serving in the ministry and helping out. And, um, but um, when Sarah was 17, she asked me to take her over to the BMW dealer because she wanted a BMW, okay? And um, so I, I took her, and on her 17th birthday, we took a picture of her standing next to a white BMW so that she could have that. And she was believing God. She, had seen, she knew in her heart that she could have, if she had asked, because she was friends with God, the scripture says you can have. And so she's like, Dad, I want a BMW. I was like, all right. Well, when this church, when we first started, or when I first started pastoring, we knew we were supposed to sow something significant. And um, somebody had given us a car. And um, right while this preacher was talking, uh, and he said, you need to sow a significant gift. And I knew, uh, boy, I reached in my pocket. There was my car keys. And I knew I was supposed to give that car, and I knew who I was supposed to give it to. There was this lady running this ministry down in the city. She didn't have a car. She needed help. But my daughter Sarah was using that car on her photo shoots and, on, and to get to work as well because she and I were both using that car. So I said to her, I said, Sarah, are you willing? She said, yes, let's sew it. Let's do it. And so <clears throat> we gave the car. Nancy made me get new tires on it, but that's all right. You know? <laughs> 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 <sighs> 
praise the Lord. It was like heaven. <laughs> Made it nice, just like heaven, right? That's all she's trying to do. And um, so we gave that car. Sarah was there. We gave that car. And, um, and, and Sarah knew exactly what she wanted. She goes, Dad, I, wanna, I want a BMW. And um, uh, she went and tried to get a, a 525 down in the city. Somebody had, had a BMW 525. And so we went down there, and she couldn't get, she couldn't get a loan. She's under, you know, she's just 18. And I had, you know, we had a thing go through on our credit report because one of the kids, the kids would leave the windows open. And it, we were in a house, we were new in this house, and we ended up with a $1,300 gas bill one. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Well, that landed on our credit report because we didn't know what to do. Anyway, so I couldn't co-sign on a loan for her. So I said, well, you're going to have to believe God. So here's Sarah. We, we took pictures of that car anyway, you know. Well, this friend writes me and says, Pastor Joe, I noticed that Sarah was not able to get that car she wanted. And he said, you know, the same thing happened to me years ago when I was trying to get my first car. And uh, he said, but just recently when I went out to get a new car, he said, it was no problem at all. So he said, if you want, the BMW is yours. And so he sent me pictures of this BMW and uh, I gave it to Sarah for Christmas. The pictures plus two tickets for me and her to fly to California to go pick it up. <coughs> So we get to California on Christmas night, five o'clock. We land at this airport, picks us up. And uh, well, the car wasn't ready. He had put it in the shop and then because it was a Monday on, or I don't know all the details. It, the shop wasn't open. I forget all the details, but it's been a while. Um, so he put us up in this really nice resort for three days, right on the ocean wouldn't let me pay a dime for anything, not a thing. And then finally, he gets the car back out of the shop and we come, we, we meet up and um, he's got all these snacks in the back because he knew we had to drive across the country. He had all these snacks in the back that Nancy would never agree to. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just me and Sarah, so everything was fine. Um, and then... Uh, I think he left an iPod that had the Bible on it, a bunch of cool songs and books on it. And that was back when the iPods were like this, this big, you know. Um, and then he said, hey, I left a little something in the ashtray for you. So I reach, after we drive away, I reach in the ashtray, ashtray, and there is a roll of $20 bills. It came out to $500, which paid for all the gas, all the hotels, and all the meals all the way across the country, and I still had enough when I got home to take the whole family out to dinner. Um, so that was God rewarding my daughter's faith because every time she would drive, we would drive by a BMW, she would say, thank you, Lord, for my BMW. But she knew Mark eleven twenty four. She knew, hey, this is where I'm going. And, this, uh, uh, and um, 
she had prayed and, and we had sown and <clears throat> we had a need. My problem was I never said what kind of car I wanted. So guess what kind of car I got? I didn't. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And so he or she had learned and put into practice all these principles and the word of God. And because she did it, she was driving around in, uh, in that car. That was the same car. Her, she used to drive Taylor Swift around all the time in that car. You know, and they would be listening to the radio real loud and Taylor's banging on the dashboard and all this stuff. Um, but she learned miracle faith in our home and in our church. And she partook of it. And she still has things happen in her life because of that faith. When my daughter Natalie, well, Sarah, you know, she started shooting weddings and she started shooting all these different cool things. And um, there was a group of women photographers that got together, I think, out in somewhere in some fancy place in Colorado. They're all sitting in a hot tub on this three-day retreat. And all these ladies are sitting in the hot tub complaining about their, um, the workflow after you shoot the wedding. And Sarah's just sitting back saying, I don't know what all y'all problem is. <laughs> she said, all I do is hand the hard drive to my little sister. And she edits out all the photos and she gets, picks all the right ones. She color corrects them all and then she uploads them to the, to the server for us and we're all done. Instantly, Natalie had her own business where she was making 40, while she was in high school, she was making 45 bucks an hour, working whenever she wanted to, okay? And, but the thing is, the time came, she came to me and she said, Dad, I don't have any work. I don't have any, I don't have any uh, stuff going on right now. I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to call it in. I said, I'll agree with you. So she starts calling in work. And within 24 hours, she had three clients. And another time, she said, Dad, I don't have any work. I said, you know what you should do? I said, you should email all of your previous clients and ask, just ask them a simple question. Hey, I'm putting together my calendar over the next six months. I want to know what kind, what kind of work you need me to do for you. She sent that out. She had the next six months booked in a, like two or three days. She had the next six months booked. People are like, I got to have it. <clears throat> now, God is wise. And your home should be a great source of wisdom for your children. Because if you can get heaven's perspective on anything, you got wisdom. And you are a purveyor of wisdom. You bring it. You can dish it out whenever it's needed. Your children should, should have so much confidence in you that if they come to you, they're going to get God's answer. Okay? We're all not great at this. Um, you know, not everybody can hear like that, or, but you still, whatever gift you are, you bring that. Okay? You bring who you are and you are the right answer. I was talking to one of the fathers here in the church uh, a couple weeks ago, or at game night it was, and I said, you are the best answer for your children. 
You are the answer of what God's trying to bring into their life. Don't try to do it somebody else's way. Do it the way you do it. Be who you are because you are the answer to your kids' life, needs and, and who they are in this world. You are the answer for them. Bring it. Show up. Be the answer. Okay? Um, is this helping anybody? Is this okay? We getting anywhere? All right. So you see that the, the, the uh, atmosphere of heaven can come forth from the unity between the husband and the wife. And the environment of the home, if the husband and wife are at odds with each other, then there's going to be strife in the home. Okay? It's easier for strife to get in if the husband and wife go ahead and let it in. Okay? It's, it's just the way it works. It's pretty simple. You know, you kick the door open. You, you let the demons in. Hey, come on in. We're having a party in here. Um, well, you don't want to do that. You don't want and, and remember this. The scripture does say that, pri uh, that um, strife cometh not but by pride. So if there's ever strife in your home, there's always pride in your home. If there's ever strife, there's a 100% chance that there's if there's ever strife, there's a 100% chance that there's, that there's pride. So, who's guilty? Don't matter. First one to hit your knees. First one to get on your knees is the most mature. <laughs> if you're in trouble, run to your room and kneel down by your bed. Pastor Winston said, he said if I, he was teaching a, pastors, a group of pastors, he said, if I ever feel pride rising up in my heart, he said, the first thing I do when I get out of bed in the morning, I don't even stand up. He said, I get my knees on the floor. Why? Nancy and I actually believe, this is one of our, Joe and Nancy's little, we have a lot of these little things, but we don't really share them with very many people, but this one we'll share with you. That, uh, we believe something is actually released physically in your body when you kneel down. Something, if there was a hormone of pride, which I don't know that there is, but if there was such a thing as a hormone that was a trigger for pride, then the, the opposite thing that would calm it down, I believe, would be triggered when you kneel down. Put your knees on the floor, humble yourself, when you humble yourself, you are in the safest position. Because remember that when you're humble, God has a responsibility to lift you up. But when you're prideful, God has a responsibility to resist you and to reduce you. It's his job. As a matter of fact, he said he would do it. And if you're walking in pride, you're... you're Asking God to actually resist you. What are you praying for? You don't have any room praying. Cut that out. You're asking God for something when he's, when you're putting in a, him in a position to make sure he resists you? Silly. Cut that out. That's silly talk. You humble yourself, resist pride. Then God will answer. 
This is why one of the reasons it says that, you know, about husbands, you know, uh, don't be messing around with things uh, with your wife. He said, lest your prayers be hindered. Okay. Well, there's pride right there. You get in strife with your wife. There's, there's pride right there. Believe me, I need to go back and listen to this as well, just so you know. Okay? I'm not talking to you like I know it. I'm talking to you like I, I need it. Is that okay? But it's still truth. It's still truth. And um, now there are times you need to, to um, let's talk about strife for a second. There are times when you could speak a truth. You could speak a truth and you know in your heart that you're not, you're not out of peace, you're not angry, you're just speak, you're putting a truth out there. Well, if the other person is in a different camp, they're going to feel like, hey, you're coming against me. Well, that's what it always feels like if truth is overtaking something. It's always going to feel negative. It's always going to feel like they're attacking you. That's your flesh saying, I don't like this and I want to hang on to what I've got. So it's always going to be a negative response. But it's just like um, if you said something really convicting and one person in the audience says, oh, you know it hit them. It's like Lester Summerall used to say, you know, if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one who yelps is the one who got hit. Okay? So if you, if you say something you, or your spouse says something that is truth, submit to the spirit of truth. Just submit. I've said, like after I've said something during preaching or something, I'll say, just keep looking straight forward and nobody will know it's you. <laughs> Nobody will know I was, it was you I was talking to. <laughs> you know, don't be the one that yelps. <laughs> Same thing in marriage. Don't bark back when, when the spouse says something that you know is true. Let truth land because the sooner you submit, the reason it hurts is because you're out of sorts with the truth. That's why it hurts. That's why your flesh is saying, I don't like this. I want to kick and scream for a little while here, if you don't mind. Well, I do mind. Well, you can, you know, you can go ahead and have strife by yourself if you want, but I'm just telling you, this was the truth. I don't need to say anything else. If it's hurting you that bad, maybe you need to go pray. Are we okay? But the power that comes from unity, so you do need to speak the truth. Because there's no sense in having unity in error. Um, here's truth, right? Let's say truth is right up here. But if somehow you get convinced that this is truth over here, and then your wife gets, or your spouse gets convinced that it, that's truth over there, well, you're in unity now. You're in unity on a lie or on a falsehood, that's no place to be. If you know the truth, speak the truth. If it hurts, say, honey, I'm sorry that hurt, but I'm just, I felt prompted, I need to say this. 
And uh, if you need to, if you need help lining up with it, we can talk about it. But I don't want to argue or fight. But just this, I believe this is true. Okay. And uh, so you can you can stay at peace once you speak the truth. Remember, <coughs> in every situation, please. Oh, this is a whole different thing, but just pay attention to this real quick. In every interaction, in every situation. And I'm talking whether you're interacting with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with, with your siblings, with coworkers, with um, contractors, with uh, company presidents or billionaires. You should always have this one thing going on. A secondary conversation between you and the Holy Ghost. You should always have, you remember that verse that says pray without ceasing? This is the don't hang up the phone prayer. You have this prayer going on like, Lord, you need to help me right now. Tell me the answer here. Okay? That's how with this friend of mine, he was, uh, he, God uses him a lot in word and knowledge. And um, so he was, he and I were standing in, I was the head of inside sales at this one company years ago, an injection molding company. And he was standing, my boss was standing there and there was a customer. So the three of us were standing there. And uh, the customer says, yeah, I just started a new company, and I got this, uh, I got this great contract down, down in the city. And he goes, oh. And my boss says, oh. And he named the company. The guy's like, what? How did you know that? And he said, oh, he said it was just, you know, the first thing that popped in my mind. He didn't tell the brother, or he didn't tell the guy, God uses me in word of knowledge frequently. This guy, when his daughter, it was son, his daughter or his son, his son met a girl, was from this particular city in this one particular state, and this real tiny little town. And she says, oh, I'm from this state. And he goes, oh, and he names the city. I mean, this tiny little can't find it on the map city. And that's, she's like, what? <laughs> it just it comes to him instantly like that's the way this it's a gift it's a, it's the holy spirit you know it's it, word of knowledge it's in first corinthians 12 so um it's 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 pretty amazing um <clears throat> when we speak the truth when we bring wisdom from heaven when we bring answers from heaven it should be like a moth to the candle, a moth to the light. When you go out and you're in a situation in, uh, in business or in your family or in your marriage, you speak truth, you bring light, okay? And you have this conversation going on with God to get you insight, to get you victory, okay? I, I knew another guy. He had a he had uh, owned a started a fairly large Christian publishing house, and uh, boy, he would come in uh, to these negotiation meetings, and he would be functioning in the word of knowledge, and it is so disarming. <clears throat> Here you're trying to negotiate with somebody, and it's like they read your <laughs> they read your notes from last night on your computer. What's up with that? You know. When you're talking to your children, you better have a secondary conversation going on because you need to be bringing wisdom from heaven. 
There ain't nothing in you they need. They need it out of the heavenly Father's heart. No, I'm, I shouldn't say that. There's a lot in you. If you've been hanging around the Holy Ghost and he's been able to deposit some things, awesome. But we don't really need the fruit of your cognitive juices all just coming up with something on their own. We are spirit-led people. We are people who have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and we're supposed to be giving the good stuff, the wisdom stuff, the stuff that comes from heaven. I was in Colorado um, many years ago preaching at a, a, a meeting for Shalice, and there was all these people there that hadn't ever met me. And uh, the Lord led me to have people um, to have people say what was what they were going to do in the new year. It was coming around New Year, and um, and this one guy says, "I'm going to prophesy." I said, "Amen, brother. Come on up here." He's like, "Not right now." <laughs> I said, "Oh yeah, come." And I had him standing right right by me because I knew in my heart I had to get it started. Now I'm not trying to embarrass the brother. I'm trying to help the brother by getting him started. Okay. So <clears throat> he's standing right next to me, and I can tell that he's just trying to pull from here. He's like, where's the, where's the word? Where's the word? And he said something that was biblical, but very dry. You could feel it. I said, brother, there's nothing up there we need to hear. I said, what we need, <laughs> I have to just tell the truth sometimes, <laughs> what we really want is the stuff that's going to come from the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you. That's what we really want. That's what your kids desperately need. How legalistic are you? If you're legalistic, it means you're not being led by the Spirit. If you are so rigid on the rules, that means you're not hearing from God. Because God will speak into situations and give you supernatural wisdom from heaven in making decisions. When your child comes to you asking for a decision, you need to be able to hear from God. If, if your home is not, an not the atmosphere of heaven, man, you are, you're already fighting so many battles, it's nowhere near heaven. So Nancy and I... Um, well, our daughter came to us one day for a decision. She wanted to go do something. I don't even remember what it was. And uh, Nancy was pulling this way. She, and my daughter was pulling the other way. And they were putting pressure on me. They were putting emotional pulls on me. I'm like, how in the world am I going to hear from God in this situation? Because I've already got pulls on my heart tugging. I'm like, Lord, what do I do now? And uh, so I remember coming out of the bathroom and I said, Sarah, we're going to throw a coin. That wasn't you, Ollie. It was my daughter, Sarah. Oh, okay. So I said, because the Lord said, why don't you throw a coin? I thought, throw a coin? I said, Lord, the last time they, the last time they cast lots in the Bible was before they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were picking the 12th apostle to replace Judas, 
and they didn't pick Joseph, so I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> Joseph didn't win, and I like when Joseph wins, right? I just have a thing for that. <clears throat> I'll have to talk to that apostle, what, was it Matthias, whatever his name was, when he get to heaven, I'll, I'll apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but it was before the baptism of the Holy Spirit they threw lots. And he said, why don't you toss a coin? Because the scripture says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is of the Lord. I'm like, yeah, but Lord, that was before the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they couldn't hear God. And he said, you can't hear me. You can't hear me on this decision because you've already got emotional pulls going this way and that way. So in order to free up your heart, throw a coin. So when I came out and said that, I said, Sarah, we're going to toss a coin. She goes, oh, no. <laughs> She already knew. <laughs> um, God bless Sarah. <laughs> um, but they knew when I threw the coin. She already knew which way it was going to land, and it did land that way. And, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, I guess in a sense, a doctrine, if you try to make a doctrine out of it, I just did in a sense that uh, probably a lot of people would shy away from because you don't want to get into throwing a coin all the time. Your number one way should be hearing from God. But with so many emotional pulls that you can't handle it, it's like, okay, I'm willing to go either way, Lord. You just say, the Bible says, and I always quote the scripture, the Bible says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is of the Lord. Lord, heads we do this and tails no. And uh, honestly, it hasn't failed us. So I'm thankful to God that he's faithful. Okay. <clears throat> um, so be encouraged that creating an atmosphere that's like heaven is what you want to do. It's your responsibility. It's what, it's what your kids need. They need to know that when they get home, they're not stepping into hell. They're not stepping into strife and they might get hurt. They might, you know, or they'll, they'll be beaten or they'll be, I mean, dear God, you know, the things that have happened in homes where Satan has made it hell, it's unconscionable. It's not right. Um, they should love coming home. And if it ain't that way, make it that way. Repent. Repent. Stop living in hell in your thinking. If you're living in hell in your thinking, you are too bound up. Once again, it's your focus. Get your focus right. Get your focus back on, you know, it says in Hebrews 12, fixing your eyes on Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus Guess what? He's got a smile on his face. If you focus your eyes on Jesus, you're probably going to end up with a smile on your face if you're really seeing him. Is this helping anybody? You know, I have a natural tendency to, to just want to teach because my, my natural assumption is that I can teach your problems away. <laughs> if you don't mind, I, I just like that. I, 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 I love it. Um, if, I, uh, if I could... Have it so I never had to lay hands on anybody, but they got it because I taught it. That's when I really feel like, oh, that's good. 
However, Jesus laid hands on a lot of folk. And he did not assume that they could get it all in one teaching. <laughs> uh, because, you know, you really, most of the time, you really only get about 20% of what the person's saying. Um, and that's if you're paying attention. <laughs> you know? Um, and then you lose a certain amount quickly. However, I do know that there are things in the spirit that need to be, um, you know, kind of like rearranging the furniture, kind of putting things in order. And I do know that when, I mean, I know that we have spiritual authority. We can tell demons what to do, leave, you know, whatever. We have that authority. And we also have the ability to pray and ask God for things, which is wonderful. Okay, but we also have the ability to bless. And when you bless someone or something, that is um, getting it to fulfill what it was created for. To do the thing, <coughs> this is a key, this is one of my keys. When is this key blessed? When I stick it in and it actually opens the door, that's when it's performing the function for which it was created. When are you blessed? When you are performing the function for which you were created. Um, if you were created to bring children into this world, when are you going to be at your best? When you're pregnant. <laughs> you know, look at my daughter, Natalie. Boy, uh, if ever there was a calling, right? Uh, just to see... Well, here we go, and we're going to be blessed. We've got two, two for the price of one this time, you know? And, uh, and, uh, and here we go. This is awesome. Um, but there is such a radiance on pregnancy, such a radiance. Again, it's like uh, there's extra life coming from that face, you know? And that's good. Um, when you are flowing in it, when you are in your element, you know, like Michael Jordan, you know, when he's floating, he takes off at the foul line and he's floating through the air and he slams the ball. <laughs> Nobody ever thought of that before him, you know, of taking off from the foul line and slamming the ball. That was, that was unheard of. Um, but he was in his sweet spot. Um, I was I think about uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. I don't know if you ever watched the movie on him. My goodness. Uh, when he was a little boy, he told his dad he was going to be the best. And he was. He was the highest scoring college ball player ever. And, um, and uh, the things that he brought to the game, when he was in his element, he was the best. Okay? Nobody could touch him. Um, <clears throat> I had a, a couple... Me and Joe, our, our, our former worship leader, he's now across the hall, when, when he and I had to sit down with a couple here in the church and talk to them. And Joe did not want to do the talking. And in about an hour and a half, I sat down with this couple and, you know, I told a story and I gave a scripture and then God brought up another story, I told that, and then God brought up this other scripture, and I told that. <clears throat> it was like you're going right, then left, and then straight, and then you're going all this way. And after a little while, all of a sudden, we were 
in the center of this man's heart, right in the core of what was the problem. It, and, and Joe Barlow is not smart enough to know how to do that. I'm just smart enough to listen. Okay? I can follow directions. I can say what I'm supposed to say when I'm supposed to say it. I can tell the story. And I find that if I will speak what comes right here, and this is the way uh, to deal with your spouse and raise your children, okay? This is the way to love people. Take what comes right up in your spirit. Give that, okay? If your heart's pure. <laughs> I will say that. If your heart's pure. If you've been med meditating on the wrong stuff, which is one of the reasons I don't like to watch movies on a Saturday night because I don't want to preach that movie the next morning. You know what I'm saying? I got to keep my heart. You know, you, you got to pay attention to what's in the flow. And so um, here, um, uh, after I get done with an hour and a half, two hours with this couple, uh, and they were like, they just felt so loved, yet the repentance that needed to happen easily happened in their hearts. Afterwards, we walked into Joe's office, and he said, Pastor, he said, I used to hold you like right around here, right around here. He said, you just went through the roof. He said, where I, was, where I held you, how I regarded you, he said, you just went way through the roof. He said, I've never seen anybody do what you just did. Now, if we can learn to minister by the power of the Holy Spirit so that people actually get it, that's when it gets juicy. That's when it gets to really, things are really starting to happen in people's lives. And so the blockages that happen in people's lives can be removed simply if they'll yield to it. But when somebody lets you lay hands on them, they are submitting to the hand of God. And so you, if I never make myself available to do this, then honestly, I'm most likely just being disobedient, okay? And now my wife chides me often about it. Like, you need to be laying hands on people. You need to be praying, and you need to give time to more than just the teaching because the people need that. And so it's an adjustment in my heart. It just is. Because my, my real desire is that they get it from the teaching because that means they're really being self-operating. They're really getting it, digesting it, and it's becoming fruit in their life. That's what I really love. But hey, listen, we're going to help everybody get there. Is that okay? Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com, where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God in journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.